everyone. Welcome to When Women Preach. This podcast exists to empower AAPI and Latino women faith leaders. I'm Joanna Choi, and we are also here with our co-founder and executive director of Isaac, Young Lee Hertig. Our guest for this episode is Leslie Chang, a former participant and recent graduate of Pastoral Lab LA Cohort. Leslie is a worship pastor at First Baptist Church in Old Town, Pasadena, California. She describes her church as a passionate, diverse, quirky, and kind community. In crafting corporate liturgy and communal singing, her guiding principle is to do what we can only do together, which is to bring our whole unique selves into worship and into community, tapping into all God has made us to be. She was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama, and began worship leading in junior high in the mid-90s at her local Chinese Christian church. In college, she sensed her calling to pursue graduate studies in worship leadership during a mission trip to Hong Kong with Carpenter's Tools International Music Ministries. Leslie has a Bachelor of Arts in Piano from Birmingham Southern College and a Master of Arts in Worship Leadership from Azusa Pacific University. She recently completed the Pastoral Lab program, as was mentioned, as part of the LA cohort, a two-year program designed to equip Asian American women faith leaders or women faith ministers. Leslie has been married to her best friend and husband, Warren, for 10 years. And I know that you said that was an important part of your journey, so we're happy to include that. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, Joanna. Thanks, Young, for having me on. I'm just really excited to talk about the work I do and and why I do it. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Leslie, maybe you can start off by sharing how has Pastoral Lab impacted your journey as a worship leader? Well, it has impacted tremendously. The The reality is that um, I don't see very many people doing uh, ministry work as a woman and, and specifically as Asian American women I did, I don't think I realized that I felt lonely in the work that in a sense, I didn't have a community that would truly deeply understand the struggles and the challenges that I face in this work. And so it's been really incredible to have these fierce and empowered women that now I know and call my friends and my confidants. Um, it's been such a blessing to be able to share life with them, I think, to discuss what I didn't realize were mutual challenges that we face. And I think oftentimes, you know, when I come across other worship leaders and I maybe share a little bit of, you know, what I go through in my work, you know, it can be just really exhausting to have to over-explain your, your challenges because, you, you know, maybe they don't come from a, an Asian American lens where they don't come from a female lens. Um, it's just really reassuring that there are just other women, other Asian women, uh, facing similar things and that you don't have to over explain what you're struggling and that there's a sense of empathy and compassion and just others that have maybe struggled with you or struggled in similar ways that they can guide and, and offer prayer offer encouragement, um, offer just fresh perspectives and just an awareness that, um, yeah, what we face is, uh, yeah, that, that it's not unusual that, you know, that 
but it's been done before and there are better ways to go about it. So I'm just really grateful for the community that I have now. I had a privilege of visiting you and seeing you in action. Oh my, Leslie is such a charismatic leader on stage. Thanks, Young. She calls you a spicy pepper. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I love spicy. So that just, yeah, that, that makes me so happy. That's so, that's so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Leslie, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad that you mentioned. Uh, well, I'm so glad that you found a community of people that you mentioned um, that you don't have to overexplain, as you said, and also skills of how you can overcome some of the experiences that you've had together. Can you tell us then a little bit more about your role as a worship leader and what that looks like on on a day to day basis? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say that I will share from my specific context and how the work is pulled together. Where I work and where I do my ministry at First Baptist in Pasadena. Um, yeah, it, it's, I feel like it's, it's kind of unique to what I feel like maybe a lot of other worship leaders encounter. But if anything, obviously the biggest part of my work is, um, the week to week, every Sunday's weekly services. And I'm really just grateful that we approach this work as liturgy, so work of the people, that each week, every Tuesday morning, we gather together as pastors, as our staff, um, to plan out the service, and that we really do account for the breadth of our, of our congregation, the diversity of generations, uh, where we come from culturally, generationally. So the full scope of who we are is who we is who we hope to build the liturgy for and through. So yeah, and with that then too, um, a lot of like all the decisions I make specifically for the music then is really informed also by my context, who my congregation is, who's singing, what is meaningful to us, how are we uniquely uh, worshiping God at FBC Pasadena. I will say as worship leaders, we wear a lot of hats. Um, and so this goes for, for any worship leader. And so for, for all of the pastors on staff, you know, out in the, in the world, in other churches, uh, yeah, uh, I find it that it's really important to encourage and to affirm your worship leaders. Um, come to realize that for a lot of worship leaders, their tenured in this work can be very short lived because it's just so much to carry. And what I mean by that is we have a lot of different people that we, shepherd and, and that we pastor artists have their own sense of personalities and also i think also with artists it's really important to to not just value artists for the work that they produce that we don't commoditize their their work um that we really do see them as people and that we love them first as people before we do love them as artists right that there can be sometimes um encounters with ego and so how to really cultivate an ego that is willing to share space and willing to, to be grounded and fully, I would say to be grounded and like to feel whole, right? Um, in the person that you are and not so much, yeah, in the work that you produce. Uh, because it's, because being an artist is, is such a vulnerable, it's a, just a vulnerable way, way to be. And I think oftentimes with my singers and my choir, so a lot of the shepherding then is, I think really for me, I find myself wearing kind of like a coach hat, 
but also somebody that's guiding. Also, you know, I think really, truly uh, leading them out of fullness of love and affection, right? So oftentimes when you have a group of people that are trying to sing together, you know, I think when harmonies can get really complex, when rhythm can get a little, you know, a little hard to do all together and to do it, you know, succinctly, that it can be frustrating, right? And so to be able to coach people to success is I think a lot of where I see my work. And then also, of course, then your audio and your visual teams um, to deal them with somebody that has a very different way of working oftentimes. And so then making sure that when you prepare and plan for service, that they can come into it non-anxious and that you remind them constantly that we can't do communal, you know, we can't do corporate worship without them. Right. That they're even, even in the, the simple act of projecting lyrics on the screen. Right. So if that doesn't happen, then, you know, congregation can't, can't opt into the things that we're, we're doing. And so, so I find that, yeah, a lot of the work is recognizing that you have a a breadth of people that you are encountering and working with. Mm -hmm. Um, in addition to, you know, lay leaders that may do prayer or, you know, call to worship. They all too have their own ways of going into this work. And so you have to kind of figure out how to set them up for success, how you can bring forth their gifting in a way that's meaningful to them. Yeah. And then I think because I, you know, our context is so diverse, even in our styles of worship, um, a lot of my work is also pulling, you know, a lot of traditions, you know, and that might come in the form of how can we use our organ or our, you know, our classically set pieces in a meaningful way? And then how can we then partner with the band and the choir in such a way that um, is meaningful? I, there's just so many different ways that all of this is woven together, service to service. But also, you know, I think for all the different teams that I, I lead and I take care of, I just reminded that a lot of the important work is to make sure that they know that they are fully loved as they are and that all I want for them to be able to do is to bring their best selves forward and also to challenge them to name the potential in others and to draw it out. And, and that's always the hope. Mm -hmm. I appreciate how you just named. I think it takes the framework of worship being just song and Sundays. away. It takes away that framework and replaces it with Every aspect of what you're doing with these people, whether it's the audio and media team of projecting those lyrics and working with all different types of personalities, preparing every person that you encounter to come into worship. And it's not just on Sundays, it's every encounter that you have and, and the way that they are expressing their gifts and their callings is also their form of worship to God. And bringing all of that together. Is that something that you would say that is, is the sort of framework that you're, that you're talking about right now? I mean, yeah, I think, I think to some degree. Um, I mean, I think, I think really the ways that I see worship is, is a response to God. And if, if that's your baseline definition of what worship is, then yeah, then everything, every detail, every thoughtfulness, every, yeah, I think every step along the way is then, meaningful and it matters, right? That everything we do matters. Um, if anything, what we do on Sundays then from 1030 to 12 is really, um, 
really inviting all of us to do that work together in one space as a as a community. Yeah. If I may add from my observation, um, there are worship leaders who draw attentions onto themselves. Mm. And then there are others like you who direct congregants to connect with God and directing them to God. And I think that's a fine line. It's not just technique. It's who you are and who your teams are. And I did appreciate that part of you leading on stage. Oh, sure. Thanks, Young, for that feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think the trap that I know that I could be really tempted into falling into is, is the idea that as a worship leader, that you have to be great at everything, that you have to be this stellar um, vocalist, that you're, you know, the way you play your instrument has to be perfect, that you know exactly how to communicate with the drummer or you know exactly how the bass works. And I've come to realize that that's just really exhausting. And that, and I think what I've come to discover that, that that's really just more perfectionism than really just, I think, owning up to what you're good at and also owning up to the things that you're not so good at. And so I'm really um, thankful that, you know, a lot of maybe how I approach my work is really, really to learn from my team as well. Um, and to just give you an example, yeah, I don't, I don't play the drums. In fact, when I was getting my bachelor's degree in the ear training portion of it, rhythm was like, <laughs> rhythm was just really difficult for me to, to pick up on. And so I'll have regular conversations with my drummers. And, you know, if anything, I'm learning constantly from them. What's the best way to communicate with them? You know, and I'm, I'm learning from them how I can then kind of better myself through it. You know, and, and I think also for my vocalists, if they have a, if they have a great and beautiful voice, it's like, absolutely. Like you should be the one singing for sure. Uh, and so if anything, I just, yeah, I, I feel like we function better when we realize we need one another. On that note, uh, real quickly, just a quick question is you mentioned liturgy a couple of times in the beginning. Can you just explain what that looks like in your context? Yeah, absolutely. So liturgy oftentimes is defined as the work of the people. And so then, uh, so whenever we are then sitting every Tuesday to plan our worship services, um, I think the way that I approach the work is to keep in mind that liturgy means people, which then also means context, right? That, that who shows up on any given Sunday is, is who is going to be part of this liturgy. Hmm. So then, you know, so in addition to the songs that we sing, we also build in other elements that we invite our congregation to be part of. Um, for example, when we, begin our services, um, we tend to start, you know, like our congregation tends to like come in like typical LA, like after 1030. Um, so, you know, we were really, yeah. Right. And so, you know, if anything, you know, instead of getting frustrated, uh, you know, we decided to just honor, honor the, the, the presence of the people that did come on time. And so we, we open our services with a time of gratitude. 
which then just invites our congregation to share the things that they have been grateful for, for throughout the week, for people, um, for events in their life that they are grateful for. Um, and if anything, it helps us to kind of, it, it'll, it illuminates like where our congregation's coming from. And they say that out loud. Yes. So we pass around a, a microphone and then they kind of share what's every on. person. Yeah. Not every per- person, but we just okay. do but an still. open call. Oh, yeah. that's amusing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just been a really meaningful way to invite the congregation and to know that what we do, that their presence there is essential to the, to the work that we're doing in that space. Yeah. And in addition to that gratitude time, you know, we normally have like a call to worship or um, a prayer, scripture reading, uh, invitation to offering. And in these little elements, we try really hard to make sure that we pull a diversity of voices from our congregation, um, that they're, yeah, whatever uniquely makes them who they are, that they can bring that fully into whatever leadership that we invite them into. And so Mm -hmm. we consider that diversity in a lot of different ways. And yeah, if anything, we're just very careful to make sure that everyone all the way up until the margins is accounted for um, in these opportunities Mm -hmm. to do this work together. I would say that your church worship is quite engaging. Hmm. So it really contrasted with my reformed church, frozen chosen pews. Oh, <laughs> the pastor really moves around. He's not just frozen at the center on stage. Right. And he engages with people during the worship. And I thought that was really special. And I will also say too, I think even, even with our singing, I feel like singing is maybe one of the more obvious ways that the work is the work of the people. But I will say that I try to remind our congregation that even in the act of singing, that it's really powerful because we are then reminded that we are not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only that, you know, sometimes I know that I have found myself in a worship, you know, service where maybe I don't feel compelled to sing. Maybe I'm, you know, like just too much is going on. I'm overwhelmed. But to know that my brothers and sisters all around me are singing over me, you know, that singing can be prayer, that that expression together, this work that we do together, this culmination of voices isn't possible without, you know, that specific set of people in that moment on that Sunday at that very moment singing together. And I think for me, like my greatest delight in this work is to get to witness all these voices coming together and singing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I can picture it and it just feels beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned also that leading worship requires a level of vulnerability because you're bringing who you are right into the space and you're bringing you're operating out of who you are so how would you describe who you are um who you're becoming and how that influences the way that you lead others into worship yeah absolutely um so i'm gonna i just want to share like a a short story to try to preface all of this Right before I came on staff full time at First Baptist, um, I was at APU working, um, in an, sorry, in a administrative role at APU. And, but then part of the blessing of 
being there and working there is that I had an opportunity to take um, like the strengths tests that they have all the other students um, take. And, you know, I just assumed that, you know, as a worship leader and, you know, just, I, you know, I just assumed that, you know, where I was, at least I was hoping that from that test that I would end up with things like empathy, communication, um, belief, arranger, like all of these things that you would associate with like a minister, right? I came up with responsibility, <laughs> intellection, learner, deliberative input. Mm. And I, yeah, I remember when I got those results, I was like, I'm such a nerd is, is what I thought to myself. And I kind of had a existential crisis in the moment because I was like, I can't believe that these are the top strengths that kind of mold and shape the person that I am. And it seemed so very different from the things that I thought I needed to be a worship leader, to be a worship pastor. And I think, you know, and, and I think it really, made me realize that I had this very specific way that I thought that worship leaders needed to be and that I was striving towards something that I wasn't. And I, you know, and I think it wasn't until I took this test that I realized that I was probably striving in all of the wrong ways because it wasn't who I was. Right. And so I think after, after the initial shock and disdain for, for this, these, this, uh, test result, you know, I came to realize, you know what? This is not a bad thing because mm-hmm. then I think it made me realize that because of intellection, you know, and responsibility, I'm very thoughtful with the ways that I carry out my work. Mm-hmm. Nothing is ever done because we've always done it this way. The ways I prepare a chart for my team, I, I am thinking about all of the different people on my team and who's going to be playing this music. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about the congregation and if this is, singable for them is this accessible this the theology of of what we're singing makes sense for our context right you know and then i think even too like yeah owning the fact that i'm not good at everything and i don't know everything about the music and and all the things then it's like okay i can take my learning i can you know i can take my input which is basically like the ability to collect a lot of just different pieces of information so for all the things that i squirrel away in my brain you know, I can then find the perfect time to kind of dish out that information in ways that are really effective and useful in those moments. And so, yeah, so I feel like in a lot of ways, like I've come to just own that I'm going to do this work very differently than maybe a typical worship leader or worship pastor would do it. You know, that I'm really am not going to, I'm not going to be like whatever worship leaders I see on YouTube, you know, <laughs> or at worship concerts, right? And so I think I've just come to realize that it's okay. Um, that the ways that I see myself and the ways that I um, can do this work well, that it has to really come from who I am, right? So I've just, yeah, so I guess I feel like that's where I'm coming from and that's where my vulnerability is. I obviously, a lot of my growth and who I'm becoming, right, then becomes still having, to, you know, in those moments when I do re- think that I have to be a certain way, to really come back to home base and be like, okay, no, I really don't have to be this way, mm-hmm. you know, that then I, I can then go back and be like, okay, how can I lead in the fullness of my love and affection for my congregation and for the people that, that I serve with? And, and with that, then how can I learn from them, right? 
how can I remain curious in the work so that as I'm growing into my, into the person that I am, as I'm growing into the role, as I'm growing and learning about the congregation, how can we then be curious with one another? I think that's a lot of the ways that I'm carrying the work now. And I'm hoping that in having that kind of mindset, I'm hoping that I have some hope of having longevity in this work. Leslie, um, you are such a great planner, is what I observed. Oh, thanks. Pastoral Lab. Amazing planner. And all of your strength you listed, I think you are living it. You know. Oh, thanks. That that faithful planning. Uh, that's what worship leaders also need to do. And you execute that. So I see you not living out by someone else's script, but you are fully owning who you are. And therefore your worship, you know, pastor's role seems to be really something that is impactful. Mm. That's what I saw. Thank you, Young. I really appreciate that. If you'd like to support Isaac in producing this podcast or our overall mission of supporting AAPI and Latina women ministers, you can donate to Isaac at isaacweb.org.